Hello, my name is Ken, and I want to welcome you back to Deep Waters. This podcast is brought to you by Applied Strengths Ministry, where we believe working together in our strengths is the effective working out the will and calling of God on our lives. The title of this message is Singular Facet Syndrome. Now, it occurred to me that many of the issues Christians have with one another could be resolved if we understood the Singular Facet Syndrome. This syndrome is due to looking at something with a single eye. I know the single ire will say that this is what we are supposed to do. Look at Jesus and Jesus alone. Yep, and I will leave that there right now. So what I'm talking about is when someone who has a perspective about something is debating another who has a different perspective about the same thing. And because the perspectives are built upon a different knowledge base about the subject or issue, and because there is a high probability that each of those involved have different experiences regarding the subject or issue, And because, no doubt, each person involved is at a different place spiritually, and it is unlikely that each is at the same maturity level. What would otherwise be a non-issue is now an issue, and in many cases an unsolvable issue that ultimately leads to some manner of war, be it shouting and yelling, to a full-blown war. Of course it's not an either-or situation, as there are many things in between that we humans can concoct that ultimately leads to some manner of violence. I know some would say that they just came out of a discussion hating the person, but that they wouldn't wish them dead. But now if we go to 1 John 3.15, we see the spiritual definition of hatred. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So perhaps what I've stated thus far sounds like a bunch of hubbub. Well, if you look at history, our history, and the many issues that wars are fought over, you will find opposing views at war with one another. Yes, greed, power, resources, the need to be the best, the biggest, the brightest country, etc. are on the face of the issues we fight over. Is there anything outside of these things? Yes, saith those who seek justice through war, which, in a strange way, is an oxymoron, but also unavoidable given the state of humanity. So yes, war is necessary when righteous judgment is at the core. Taking a defensive posture against an invading horde, for example, or the war on drugs or sex slavery. But now my topic is not on the many facets of war or cause of it. Nope, because everything starts with a thought in an individual. It is at this place that we see Christians need to deal with the potential repercussions if we allow the thought to become a manifested reality, that is, to become present. One facet of a thought, one perspective about an issue, one represented knowledge base, a singular position, does not make a solution to an issue or problem. Your vision regarding an issue can never go beyond a single facet. And like a diamond, you knew it was coming, yes, like a diamond. If we walk in a spirit whereby we allow all of the singular facets to come together in unity and single-mindedness, then the brilliance of what it means to be in one accord shines brightly and without blemish. So let's look at the definition of accord. In so doing, we are looking for the variables as much as the non-negotiables. Dictionary.com defines it this way. To be in agreement or harmony. To make, agree, or correspond. To grant, bestow, adapt, proper relationship proportion, a harmonious union of sounds, color, etc. Consent or occurrence of opinion or wills. Now I wanted to define that word because it is in the Bible, especially in the book of Acts. Okay, so it's weird to me that a definition of this word exists, And yet we live in such a violent culture. I know some of you right now are thinking that you are a good person 
or that so-and-so lived their life as an advocate for peace. Now, couldn't we say that of most hippies? <laughs> and yet, when you look at the protests, what do you see? I mean, we fight for peace, right? Is not an oxymoron? And no, you are not a good person either. Even saved, we struggle, which is why I thought I would throw out the thoughts of my mind on paper this morning. Let me clean up that paragraph so we stay on track. Romans 3, 10 through 18 states, As it is written, there is none righteous, nope, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, nope, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So all of that is based on verse 18, which is there is no fear of God before their eyes. I have a whole message on the condition of man's heart. So keeping it light, it is good if you see this for what it states. And if you want further review, you can look for my message titled, What's Up With My Heart? But for now, we tread on. So as we can see, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., or even Princess Diane, all needed Jesus because their hearts weren't right. Not all of them allowed Jesus into their hearts, but that's a matter not for us to decide. And lastly for that paragraph, some will say that Romans 3, 10 through 18 was written to unbelievers or to those not yet saved. But once you get saved, your heart is no longer an issue. Why, we even get a new heart, the Bible says. Yep, but we did not get a new flesh tent. Second Corinthians 5, 1-4 For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven, if indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that morality may be swallowed up by life. You see, we remain in the old man making every attempt to live by putting on the new man. Ephesians 4.24 And that you put on the new man which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. An honest Christian can attest to this one fact, which is that it is a darn struggle to toe the line, to make the fullest of desired transitions. We have some examples from the Bible, such as David after he is made king, walking in his destiny and the promises of God, committed the most vile act using his power to seduce a married woman. Is this not the same thing that happened in the garden when Satan seduced Eve? Granted, they each had their own reasons, but nonetheless it happened. And if it happened to a man with a heart like God's own heart, then maybe, just maybe, it can happen to us, with us, or through us. Then maybe, just maybe, it can happen to us, with us, or through us. First Samuel thirteen fourteen. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. In Acts thirteen twenty two, And when he had removed him... He raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. 
So quickly we look at Paul's statement before he was saved, authentically born again, that is. In Romans seven twenty four, we see it say, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Now consider this, Paul was a religious man, but once he met Jesus, he realized that ah, religion wasn't going to save him. Jesus didn't just die for our sins, but to also restore our relationship with God. This is what the Bible's all about, being in relationship with God. So then we see the transition of this statement, which ends in Romans chapter 7 and begins in Romans 8. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now your heart is a receptacle for God's deposit if it is stayed on him. We see here that because of Solomon's position to God, he was available to receive from God. In 1 Kings 10.24 it states, Now all the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. Then we see what would be considered a great contradiction in today's world, which is that as a man gets older, he gets wiser. But in Solomon's case, we see him getting dumber. The wisest man to have ever will live, and he turned his heart away from God. He got dumb. In 1 Kings 11.4, For it was so, when Solomon was old, that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. You see, the Lord tests the heart. Why? Because it can go wayward. In 1 Thessalonians 2.4, we see it say, But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. The Lord searches the heart for loyalty and steadfastness. 1 Chronicles 28.9 As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. The Lord looks at the heart. 1 Samuel 16:7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So perhaps we get a new heart because God didn't like what he saw. He gives us a new heart. Why? Because we need one. Ezekiel 36, 26, 27. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. You see, we get help because we need help. Look. 1 Chronicles 29.18 O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the intent of the thoughts of the heart of your people, and fix their heart towards you. We have been commanded, of all things, to love God with all of our heart, strength, soul, and mind. It wouldn't be a command if we could choose otherwise. Mark 12.30.31 And you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. 
and the second is like it, and the second like it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So where are we? Yes, we are discussing the benefits of operating in a single accord, and the heart issue has hopefully been made clear. Keep in mind that your position regarding an issue represents only a single facet of that issue. We would not purchase a diamond with only one facet. It is only when it is multifaceted that we pay the 500% markup requested by jewelers. Imagine 58 plus or minus facets, or differing points of view from each contributing individual, each with their own talents, gifts, personalities, at differing maturity levels, spiritual levels, educational levels, knowledge levels, and not to leave out generational and gender differences. Does culture make a difference as well? Sure it does. So Ken, are you saying that if we are looking for agreement that we have to take into account all of these conversational elements when trying to make a decision or when we are trying to resolve an issue? I know, right? Sounds like it would be fortunate if we could just decide on what to order at a restaurant looking at the same menu. Well, we got this far on the planet because of God. We as humans, even if you don't believe in God, have got to realize that there is something else at play for us to even get along this far. How we built a functioning skyscraper with so many varying views and opinions is a miracle. It only took us 14 months to build the Empire State Building. I believe it's the God factor in each of us that enables us to progress, albeit to an ultimate end. But nonetheless, we are progressing towards it. So what does God ask of us that will enable us to function as a multifaceted unit? If we go to the beginning of Acts, we can see the unity and benefit of the few who turned the world upside down. Now keep in mind over 500 people saw him after he died and rose again. 1 Corinthians 15, 4, 8 And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. And that he was seen by Cephas, and then by the twelve. After that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James, and then by all the apostles. And the last of all he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. But how many were in the upper room waiting for the promise? Well, Acts thirteen fifteen tells us, And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Aphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication, with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether the number of names was about a hundred and twenty and said. So I'm not going to tell you what he said, because it's not relevant to where I'm going. So we have about an 80% attrition rate from the time of that host seeing Jesus alive after seeing him dead, to those waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit, so that they could go and do likewise. That is what Jesus did. Now you may say that this next statement is unnecessary to say, but I would disagree and would line it up with what we just read, which is that it would be better for a church to lose 80% of its members who may have been committed to seeing Jesus running around the planet after he died, but then got bored with the idea of sitting in an upper room waiting for the invisible gift. Apparently they did not learn from Thomas that you don't miss a Jesus meeting. John twenty twenty through 24 When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. 
As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. This stuff is great and stirs my spirit to no end. I mean, imagine if we could really get along as Jesus intended his bride to get along. So yes, it is better to be in a smaller group that is in one accord, in unity, of one mind, and one heart, than a larger group with a single facet mentality. The smaller group discussed in Acts 1, 13, 15, changed our future history forever. It is the epitome of a multifaceted singular diamond, and equally as stunning in their performance. Let's look at a few scriptures that highlight this way of being. Acts 1, 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication, with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Acts 2, 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Acts 2.46 So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Acts 5.12 And through the hands of the apostles many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were with one accord in Solomon's porch. Ephesians 4.3 endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. 1 Peter 3.8 Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tender-hearted. Be courteous. Romans 12.16 Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Romans 15.5 Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded towards one another, according to Christ Jesus. 15.6 That you may, with one mind and one mouth, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 13.11 Finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Philippians 1.27 Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whether I come and see you, or am absent, I may hear of your affairs. Philippians 1.27 Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whether I come and see you, or I am absent, I may hear of your affairs. That you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Philippians 2.2 Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Luke 8.15 But the ones that fell on the ground, good ground, are those, having heard the word with a noble and good heart. Keep it and bear fruit with patience. Acts 4.32 Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did any say that any of the things he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. So does this sound like the model for denomination and non-denominational churches? Non-denominational churches came out of the denominations because the denominations couldn't get along. And now the non-denominations can't get along. Oh, if we could just agree. And I don't mean agree to disagree, but agree. So in finishing, we see an example of what it is to move in a singular unit and the effect it can have when it moves as such. 
Now this example is a war example, but didn't we cover that already? But before we go, look at Revelations 2.23 and see what awaits us. Would it not be better to be in agreement with one another? God is not a loner, and he's not coming back for a harem. Revelations 2.23, I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts, and will give to each one of you according to your works. Let us be united in these days, lest we be defeated all together and all at once. Joel 2.1-11 This, in my heart, is what I believe we should be and what we can be. Blow the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. A day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Like the morning clouds spread over the mountains, a people come, great and strong. The like whom has never been, nor will there ever be any such after them. Now i got to interrupt that. See that? Nor will there ever be any such after them. This tells me that it's not an end times army, but it's somewhere in the middle. Because there's an after them. So we can be this now. Anyways, so even for many successive generations, a fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Surely nothing shall escape them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and like the swift steeds, so they run. With a noise like chariots, over mountaintops they leap, like a noise of a flaming fire that devours the stubble, like a strong people set in battle array. Before them the people wreathe in pain, and all faces are drained of color. They run like mighty men. They climb the wall like men of war. Everyone marches in formation. Pay attention to these next scriptures here. Everyone marches in formation. They do not break ranks. They do not push one another. Everyone marches in his own column. Though they lunge between the weapons, they are not cut down. They run to and fro in the city. They run on the wall. They climb on the houses. They enter the windows like a thief. The earth quakes before them. The heavens tremble. The sun and moon grow dark, and the stars diminish their brightness. The Lord gives voice before his army. For his camp is very great. For strong is the one who executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? Well, that's it for today, and that's it for this series. As I've said before, this stuff is great and stirs my spirit to no end. I mean, imagine if we could really get along as Jesus intended his bride to get along. He isn't coming after a harem. And right now, I think that we believe that he actually is. I mean, we're just not thinking straight. What couldn't we do if we all just got along? If we were single-minded? You know, at the Tower of Babel, it was God who said, we got to take this thing apart because if these guys keep going, there's nothing they can't do. That was single-mindedness. I'm telling you the world is waiting for such a move, and it's in Christianity and only in Christianity. I absolutely believe we can get along, and when we come into agreement with the Word of God on that behavior, we will also be those who are turning the world upside down. That should have been continuing from day one. Somewhere it just kind of disappeared, got set on the back shelf. It's okay. We still have time to get it right. Well, remember, it's not what you find wrong or disagree with regarding these messages, but what you can take away from it. Together, we can do more to impact the kingdom than if we work alone. 
Let's flip the script and kill, still and destroy the works of the enemy and create space for the light of lights to shine through into people's lives. Plant a seed and click on the like and subscribe buttons. Let's build this ministry together. Thanks and see you next time in deep waters.